Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network, and soon to be expanded into the Minute Media Podcast Network. My name is Chris Wilson. You may know me from underrated cult classic films such as Dropping 49ers Knowledge on Your Head via NinerNoise.com and occasionally Fansided.com. Didn't do very great at the box office, but I blame the title as well as COVID because what can't you blame on COVID? Why did I sound so angry when I just said my name, COVID? And so far I've found COVID excuse works a lot better than my old shaggy defense, which is my normal go-to. So I guess COVID is good for something. For those of you out there who are whining, where's Robert? Well, I can hear you. And yes, you do sound like that. Don't worry. Robert's okay. He's not tied up in my basement again. Now, is he tied up in someone else's basement or maybe a different level of their house? Objection. Cause for speculation, sustained. But what I can tell you, under oath, is that Robert is not here with me at the moment, but we will hear from Mr. Morrison a little bit later in today's episode. He's currently off creating important, priceless, written content for the site. Oh, those are the days. But you're not listening right now just to check in on Robert. You might be a nice person, but I know better. I see through you. Plus, he's a grown man who can handle himself, thank you very much. You checked in to see if, over the weekend, the future somehow became the present, and to find out if all of some fans' prayers were finally answered, thanks to the infamous quarterback competition, formerly and presently known as a non-competition, had its first opportunity to take place, and Jimmy G and Trey Lance's first opportunity to either compete or not compete, or maybe compete, but... Don't admit you're really competing. And props to you if you could follow me all the way through that. I blacked out like halfway through. And we will do a very deep dive into that as soon as I'm fully coherent. But first off, we need to take a moment to reflect and then celebrate the return of NFL football and most importantly, San Francisco 49ers football 
just back in its own stadium for the 2021 season. Amazing. Now, do these games count? No, not quite yet. But don't try telling the two Chiefs Twitter. Had too much celebrating and smack talking after that game. And I'll just leave it at that. So congratulations for getting outplayed, but then pulling out a three-point win because we Josh Rosen ourselves for the very final time. At least we did Rosen a solid and freed him up early in the preseason so he could go find a home somewhere else. Because he's sure not playing or even getting practice snaps, or at least enough practice snaps, in his opinion, here. But then, after we released him, no one picked him up. And, well, that's just sad. Because you can't tell me every team's second and third string quarterbacks are so solid that Rosen doesn't belong on one single NFL roster, especially during the preseason. So I don't know what the eventual team is going to get out of Rosen, but some team's going to pick him up sooner rather than later. So we can close the final chapter on that book, but he shouldn't be unemployed for too long. The new shortened preseason, which was long, long overdue, NFL and NFLPA, has been quite the hit as it brings a little more meaning and excitement to every team's three preseason games. Still waiting to see how teams are going to handle game two and game three. Of course, this game already came with its own excitement. The NFL debut of our future Lord and Savior and starting quarterback, Trey Lance. No matter where you stand on the 49ers quarterback situation, every fan was looking forward to seeing the rookie's first professional game action. This weekend was also the first time we had real non-cardboard fans in the stands at Levi Stadium since uh, the playoffs after the 2019 regular season when the 49ers ran all over the Vikings and Packers on their way to a difficult matchup against the officials and some other team in Miami. I can't remember all the specifics of that game, but I definitely remember the image of Aaron Rodgers crying on our sideline. That's enough build-up for this epic moment in San Francisco 49ers history. We will start our breakdown at the top with the player we've all been waiting for, Mr. Trey, three ones and a three, Lance. Man chosen by Shanahan to determine his fate, even when his job wasn't in jeopardy in the first place. Shane does love his five-dimensional chess. As it relates to Lance and the 49ers' first preseason game, you kind listener, likely fall into one of the four potential categories. A, you didn't watch the game. Sort of weird, but I guess understandable for those who don't have NFL Game Pass. So all you know is what you've been told or what you've read. B, you either only watch the highlights of the game and or after watching Lance's touchdown pass, you merely took to Twitter and did one of the following two things. One, you officially crowned Sir Lance, king of the 49ers quarterback room, and a player who must start now. The more capital letters, the better. Now, we can all be honest here. Was that a little bit premature? Yeah, but don't fret because you are certainly not alone. As This option was the favorite of many in the national sports media. You also fall into this category if, after 
Lance's touchdown, you immediately posted a meme of someone crying, engaging in some type of self-harm, or maybe at the unemployment office or looking for a new job, with a label stating something like, Jimmy, after seeing Lance's touchdown pass. And this one was a very popular and simple choice for all the ignorant haters in the fan base and throughout the league. Our Category C listeners are those who didn't watch the game, but did check out the stats afterwards. And to all our senior citizen listeners out there, I say don't pull the plug quite yet, because Trey's stats didn't tell the complete story of his day. Same goes for those who've only seen his abysmal grades over at PFF. And finally, Category D. You watched the game... And the game confirmed all of your pregame thoughts and opinions and only solidified your pregame stance on who Trey Lance is and who he will end up being at the end of his NFL career. Now, in the off chance you watched the game and then formed your own opinion afterwards, well, congratulations for achieving unicorn status and your rightful place in Category D. So which group or groups are correct? Well, first, what does correct even mean? Because we're not fortune tellers. We can't tell how good or how bad someone's going to be next year, five years, or 10 or 15 years from now. And that's sort of my point. Unless your previous opinion was way out of left field and watching him play sort of brought it back to reality, like all four of these groups are wrong. If you're able to make a definitive decision about his future in the NFL from the way that he played last week, then you might think you're right, but you're not. Now, your guess might be correct, and you know your guess might be based in some type of reality or analysis, but it's mostly just going to be based on luck. The only thing we really learned from Saturday's game is that Trey Lance is the player that he was scouted out to be. They were correct in their analysis of him, their long-term views or opinions of how he could potentially do in the future. Those, of course, vary, but his play on Saturday mirrored pretty much anybody's analysis of Trey Lance, the 2021 draft prospect. Or perhaps more eloquently stated... They are who we thought they were. And for the record, I didn't see anything in the 49ers Media Center about preferred pronouns. So no offense is intended. So let's just take a look at what was said about him prior to the draft. High risk, high reward prospect. Naturally athletic, but raw, unproven talent. High football IQ, but minimal playing experience. Just one college season versus subpar opponents. Issues with pressure, accuracy, and taking unnecessary hits. Leaves big plays on the field due to lack of pocket presence and decisiveness. Successful on the ground thanks to above average speed and power as a runner. If properly retooled, has the potential to light up scoreboards through the air and on the ground. And requires a team able and willing to take the time to groom him to achieve maximum upside. That's a pretty good description of who Trey Lance is right now. And 
maybe the only thing we didn't see on Saturday was leaving big plays on the field and his skills as a runner simply because he didn't run the ball. And if it hasn't been already, it will all become evident as we quickly run through the 49ers opening drives of the preseason. Attention, attention, people of planet Earth. That's better. Hello, Earthlings. Do not be afraid. What's going on here? We mean you no harm. What's happening right now? I'm not afraid. I just don't understand. We what... come in peace. But this is a podcast. Like, logistically. Just roll with it, okay? Did the bosses sign off on this? Don't make this any more awkward than it has to be. So you guys are aliens? Yes, we're aliens. Like from outer space? From outer space, yes. So is there something I can help you with? Yes, actually. We've been watching you. You're what? Not in that weird lawyer kind of way. It's more like observing. Like we're scientists. And, well, we'd like to borrow some of your state-of-the-art technology. You want to borrow our technology? What could you possibly want? A technology you call the lawnmower. Uh, we invented that like hundreds of years ago. You can just borrow mine if you're having landscaping problems. No, not that one. The personal one. Oh, you need our technology to help you with your manscaping problems. Yeah, that one. The one you're always talking about. Oh, uh, wait. You guys listen to the podcast? Yeah, we listen. But... We prefer the episodes when the other guy's around. Jeez. That hurts, actually. So, back to the Yeah, but there's no way you're borrowing mine now. And it's really not the kind of thing that you lend out. Now, we're planning on paying for it, but you guys have a discount, right? Yeah, fan-sided 20 for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, we really need the one with the free shipping. It's sort of a deal-breaker for us. Yeah, then definitely go with the code FANSIDED20. So, where on your internet do we go to buy the lawnmower? You can buy it directly from our friends at Manscaped at manscaped.com. And they carry the performance package 4.0 that you're always talking about. Yep, that's the package with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and even a travel bag, which you can use for storage at home or on the road or, I assume, in space. Their marketing material doesn't really talk about it, but I assume so. And you still accept the Discover Card on Earth, correct? I wouldn't go around broadcasting that, but yes, Discover Card is still a thing, and they do accept it. Okay, I believe that's all the information that we require. And do your best to stay on topic today. That Taysom Hill talk. Everybody in the galaxy already knows he's not a quarterback. I will do my very best to stay on topic. But as you know, for me, the struggle is real. All right, back to work, Reslin. We're off to locate some free Wi-Fi. Best of luck, and just remember, manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, with code FANSIDED20. Maybe we can write that down? All right, then. Get back to it. Farewell, Reslin. So, where were we? As I was saying, pre-encounter, Lance's numbers don't really tell the whole story. Officially, he was 5 for 14 for 128 yards, 
and one touchdown. That one touchdown was, of course, the 80-yard touchdown pass to newcomer Trent Sherfield, previously of the Arizona Cardinals. And barring a change, a current and future member of the 49ers. Because his combination of work on special teams, as well as his deep threat ability, seems to have locked himself into a roster spot going forward. Sherfield was the guy who entered the league primarily as a wide receiver, who also took some special team snaps, and was quickly turned into a primary special team player his second season, and then almost an exclusive special teamer in his third season in 2020. So it doesn't really bother me that Kingsbury isn't too high on him, and we have a pretty good track record of making UDFAs and special team players into stars at various positions. And so far, his connection with Trey Lance is on point. So it's another negative for a guy like Richie James, who for the first time I'm actually quite concerned about making this football team. He's really got to show a lot over the second and third game of the preseason to even have a shot at that final wide receiver roster spot. But as a wise alien once told me, stay on topic. Let's go back to the quarterbacks. Trey Lance. 14 attempts, 5 completions, 128 yards, 4 sacks, 1 touchdown, no interceptions for a passer rating of 93.8. In some ways he was better, in some ways he was worse. He had a couple of really nice throws that were just flat out dropped. Richie James was the culprit on one of those. But then he also threw at least three interceptable passes and one that I cannot believe was not intercepted. He also had a pair of swing passes to Jennings, which were both determined to be backward passes or running plays. So he lost out on another two for two for 23 yards on those. And he also put the ball on the ground very, very easily. When one of the opposing pass rushers was passing by, just knocked it right out of his hand. So that was also something they didn't necessarily go against him in the scorebook, but something that I guarantee you Shanahan was paying attention to. In the end, I'm sure that Lance wasn't complaining about his stat line and was happy to trade the offensive drops for defensive drops. And I can only imagine what would happen if he came out of the game with four, five turnovers. Nearly all of his offensive output came on just two plays. One deep throw to Sherfield and one pass to an uncovered Charlie Warner after his man just slipped and fell down to the ground. And you can do the math. You have a quarterback who completes two actual throws of import and has a running game that's pretty much non-existent, while each of the three wide receivers who ran the ball had a higher yards per carry than every one of the running backs on the team. Then when you toss in all the sacks, as well as a few extremely errant passes, and what do you get? You have a bad offense. It felt like a lot of his problems were situational, 
either being behind an offensive line that he's never had the displeasure of playing behind. Everyone's going on and on about how bad the Niners' second-team offensive line is. Like their first-team offensive line is really bad, and a lot of those players were playing on their second-team offensive line. It's always odd what causes people to see the light that's <laughs> so bright for so long. Lance also had problems in you know, traditional situational offense. He's not going to bail Shanahan out on every third down like Garoppolo does. So Shanahan's got to adapt his offense to his quarterback. Whether he realizes that or not, I don't know. Until Shaney takes extra effort to ensure that his quarterback is not always in poor down in distance situations. I can't see how you can start Lance and expect anything other than a bad offense that's held back by a rookie who's in the middle of OJT. Of course, in theory, Shanahan could fix all this by just simply throwing the ball in early downs, which he used to do with unparalleled success. But once he came to San Francisco, I don't know what the deal was, but he just stopped doing everything that was working in his offense. Outside of situational issues, the majority of Trey Lance's problems were mental. And sometimes those mental problems would cause physical problems, physical breakdown in his technique. But a lot of his pre-draft criticism was quite evident. The more uncomfortable Lance felt in the pocket or lack of pocket. And the closer the Niners got to the end of the half. I think that time is going to be a big area of focus for Lance this season. He needs to shorten the time between when he gets the snap and when the ball is out of his hands. Because it's too long right now. He needs to learn that sometimes he needs to take a little extra time in between plays when he's going on these constant three and outs, gives his defense a little bit of time to rest. Outside of the team's zero pass, short field goal drive, Lance was under center for seven series, and all seven series lasted less than two minutes each. Compare that to Garoppolo's lone drive, which you know, wasn't an overly special drive. He moved the sticks twice and then a third time, but that time was called back due to a penalty and ran four minutes and 53 seconds off the clock. Now, it's a lot easier to get away with this in a preseason game because you have more players and additional options to throw into the game you wouldn't otherwise want in the game if you were playing it competitively. Even the casual fan took notice of the game management issues at the end of the first half when the 49ers punted the ball three times within three minutes of the end of the half. And on those three drives, the 49ers netted a grand total of zero yards. It was so bad that there was little question as to whether Shanahan would abort his original plan and send Lance out for 
a final drive in the second half. And he did so. But unfortunately, the 49ers went three and out. And Trey Lance's NFL debut came to an end. And I know a lot of this sounds negative because it is negative. But it's also fixable and pretty easily in a practice setting, not necessarily on the field of play. And the only reason I'm even commenting on these things is because of a fan base that's demanding a player who hasn't played a lot of football in his life, has played no football in his life at this level or anything near it. It is expected to you know, hit the ground running and act like a vet by day one. It's absurd to expect this of him, particularly since we already knew that he has some of these issues coming out of college. Here, we have a player who needs to improve his pocket presence and his decisiveness, and a player whose confidence appeared to dwindle as the game went on. So to all our huge Trey or Bust fans out there, the best way for the 49ers to create a situation for Lance in which he has the best possibility to become a franchise quarterback is to sit him and teach him until he's ready and then play him to all our listeners who truly believe in Lance and aren't just Jimmy haters who will take anything but Garoppolo. The best way to ensure failure is to throw him into the fire day one when you know he's not ready and then expect him to lead this team to the Super Bowl. If you truly believe in him in the long term, then you have to stop advocating for this because in essence, you're advocating for more short-term Lance and more long-term Garoppolo. There is no better way to break Lance than to start him immediately with the expectation of a Super Bowl run, particularly with a proven winning quarterback staring over his shoulder at all times. So we should all slow our collective roles and manage our expectations in the short term. Just going through my in-game tweets from Saturday, one of our fellow faithful non-noise writers asked me what I thought about Lance's performance immediately after his final drive. I'm looking to see if my initial opinion significantly changed after I watched the game a handful of times. My answer, I think it was a pretty good showing, at least better than his stats. Was expecting him to avoid more sacks, but it's his first time playing behind our... Yeah, I can't make out what that word is. And then, offensive line. Some drops by both teams. Smiley face. How personable of me. Needs to protect the ball. Very exciting, but inconsistent. Just like a high upside rookie quarterback. I then responded to his thoughts about Lance's game with... Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of working the pocket. The good thing is, Portnair's quarterbacks quickly learn they need to get the ball out earlier than they like to. Got to cut down on the big hits. With a half of NFL-ish experience under his belt, I'd expect him to play better next week. 
So, yeah, I still stand by all that. I think I would give a similar response now. I think the only difference is that my response would be perhaps a little more detailed since I've watched every one of the plays a few times. So how did Lance truly play in his NFL debut? It's obviously nothing like PFF's grade of him, which was the third worst on the team among offensive players, at 48.8. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I think PFF is spending the majority of its time slobbering over every one of the quarterbacks on the Patriots and the Bucks rosters and C.J. Beathard. And, of course, Taysom, just because. Lance's performance is also nothing like PFF's follow-up article to their grades. Lance shines in first opportunity. The hype surrounding Lance in the run-up to his first outing was reaching astronomical levels, but the former North Dakota State Bison exceeded expectations in some respects, nice CYA, Saturday night. Lance exhibited an advanced understanding of the offense, looking comfortable operating coach Shanahan's play-action heavy scheme as he finished with 128 yards through the air on just five completions from 14 attempts. Lance's jaw-dropping arm strength was on full display from the onset as he began the second drive of the evening with an 80-yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield. Two things I'd really like to know. A, did this individual watch the game? And B, what is the policy at PFF about disagreeing with their own grades? And they go on. CYA, CYA, explanation of grades, CYA. And then overall, 49ers fans have much to be excited about as Lance displayed the highs and lows that make him such a captivating prospect. If that is their definition of a captivating prospect, a player who has extreme highs and extreme lows, then I'm not interested in that. In summary, was Lance as bad as PFF claimed? No. Was Lance as good as PFF claimed? No. I would place Lance's performance squarely in the middle of both PFF and PFF's analysis. Or, perhaps more eloquently stated, Sometimes winner, sometimes loss. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And serious props to anybody who recognizes that reference. If you do, give me a shout. Let's finalize this extended but important Lance segment with a few things to look for in his development when the Niners play the Chargers next Sunday. Number one, and not surprisingly, protect the football. I feel like that would be like number one on everybody's list. No easy fumbles. No misreading defenses. No missing players high over the middle of the field. Two, manage the pocket. This includes leaving it, but only when you have to. It also includes managing unblocked defenders who might be coming towards you, because that will happen if you plan on playing quarterback for the 49ers in 2021. Three, decision-making and read progression. Allegedly, you excelled at going through your reads and making the proper decision when playing in college. 
the NFL is a little bit more complex. You'll see a more wide variety of defenses, but it's unlikely you'll see anything you won't be able to quickly understand, given your status as the iPad study king. And I still have questions about your deep pass to Sherfield last week. I'd definitely love to hear you go through your thought process throughout that play. Four, trusting yourself. There was a whole lot of double clutching going on last Saturday. You need to be able to believe in yourself and believe what you're seeing to make the right decision. And you need to trust yourself to be able to go directly from decision to execution with no hesitation. And five, situational football. You can't be a franchise quarterback if you can't manage the clock or important game situations. So those are the five areas that I'm going to be looking at on Sunday night to help determine Trey Lance's progression from rookie from a small school against subpower competition to future NFL franchise quarterback. Now, somebody told me that there were other players who were playing other than Trey Lance on Saturday. Let's discuss a few of them, specifically the 2021 draft class. Starting from the top, in the first round, well, we already talked about him. So instead, let's just practice for the foreseeable future and say we don't have a first-round draft pick. Round number two, Aaron Banks. While I enjoy being correct, I don't like being correct to the detriment of the team. And maybe I wasn't correct, but so far I definitely appear to be. But I continue to hold out hope that I'm wrong because PFF gave him a pass blocking grade of zero. Seriously. So he's probably the next great thing. However, he was not the next great thing on Saturday. Aaron was the worst player on the field. And then he got injured, so he won't be around for a bit. Not that it really matters the team right now since he was nowhere near competing for the starting job that he was handed. Maybe he'll pull a full 180 and become a decent NFL player. Maybe he'll do it this year. Who knows? Or maybe we just identified another one of Lynchahan's drafting blind spots. Offensive lineman. Round three. Running back, Trey Sermon. The simplest way to answer is to say that Mozart's decision or the team's decision to sit Mozart caused his stock to skyrocket. Sermon also got himself a call out from PFF attempting to explain his poor grade from Saturday night. Titled, Trey Sermon looks to take control of starting RB job with presumed starting running back Raheem Mostert sitting out Saturday. Third round pick, Trey Sermon, worked to entrench himself atop the death chart, accumulating 26 rushing yards on nine attempts to go along with 14 receiving yards on two receptions. While the rookie was unable to display the explosiveness that set him apart at Oklahoma and Ohio State, he did exhibit toughness and patience that should at least put him in competition with Mostert for carries. I must miss that job posting on the 49ers bulletin board said, looking for college running back to compete with number one running back for NFL regular season carries. Requirements, toughness and patience, optional or not required, 
explosiveness. Sermon ended his debut with a sub-60 grade, a number influenced greatly by his fumble toward the end of the first quarter. Well, you get the idea. Obviously, this piece should be written in a totally different way, or preferably not at all. But I guess doing that wouldn't be newsworthy. I don't know. He didn't play well. He didn't really show much, like they said. He didn't seem that explosive. The holes weren't that big. And he did nothing to make them bigger. And he didn't really run through anybody or get any extra yardage. So if you missed this game, you didn't miss much, as far as Sermon's concerned. I guess you missed a five-yard run and a fumble. Otherwise, just switch his number with Coleman and bring him back. He really did the same sort of job, just run into a lack of a hole and try to get back to the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Obviously, he's a better player than what was presented to us on Saturday night, so I wouldn't be concerned, at least overly concerned, but he's done nothing to establish himself in any way, in any capacity that I've seen. He's going to have to show a lot more before we even discuss him taking the number one roll away from Mustard. Still in round three, cornerback Ambry Thomas. And when we're talking about him, we also need to talk about fifth rounder Diamador Lamore, or something similar. I think I pronounced it right. So we have two cornerbacks who are both rookies who were taken not to start on day one, but may have to start on day one. And unless we want to start Dante Johnson, we need to choose one of them. On Saturday, Thomas was the player who was slated to start the game across from Dante Johnson. But Lenore was the one who actually came out with the ones, or with that day's version of the ones, to start the game. Personally, I find that quite intriguing. I wish the PFF had used intrigue instead of captivating, because I could use that word all the time. And in the end, it actually makes a lot of sense, provided the coaches see what we see, and that Ambry Thomas is a better long-term prospect because he doesn't know how to play football at the NFL level because he played a different style of football in college, whereas Lenore has much lower upside because he doesn't have the speed, but he's a little bit more NFL-ready. I wouldn't say that he is NFL-ready, but he really looked NFL-ready on Saturday. He was covering Tyreek Hill one-on-one for multiple plays and succeeding. Can't really ask too much more from a rookie when he's putting his jersey on for the first time to play a game. Lenore also picked off a ball that was intended for his receiver who actually beat him on the play at one time. It's probably his worst snap of the day. But the ball happened to be thrown off of the receiver's shoulder and it bounced up and Lenore was there to make the play. So he's in a place where even when things are going poorly for him, they're still going well for him. As for Thomas, he was targeted in this game early and often, and he was beat early and often. Not for any huge plays, but the Chiefs certainly knew which of the two players they should go after. I don't know if that was determined before the game or after they saw Lenore running with Hill. But you certainly know who I would choose to start on the opposite side of Verrett if needed on day one. And 
Of course, it's only one game, but that one game was pretty telling. That's not to say that Avery Thomas won't become a very good cornerback, but he is not a very good cornerback right now and needs to work on becoming a good corner before he is thrown into action. Sounds familiar. Fourth rounder. Left tackle Jalen Moore. It's sort of difficult to assess his day because he's sort of being thrown into the fire. Not expecting to start on day one of the preseason at left tackle for one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And he's also not expecting to have to continue to start there perhaps into the regular season. Moore certainly did not have a good day, but would you really expect him to? He was drafted, well, he should have been drafted as a late-round developmental pick with the hopes that you'll see something from him in a year or two. I mean, he's a guy who ESPN or one of the other networks that was a tight end and not a tackle. He's also been called a guard. And, you know, he, he was not really highly touted in the draft process. Captain Obvious over here. You know, he didn't totally sink, but just using the expression that I would assume that they would throw him in there with the ones again next week to see if he sinks or swims and then decide from there what to do about the position. Hopefully then they'll have a much better idea about the length of time that Trent Williams will be out. Hopefully it won't be too much longer than that. But if it is too much longer than that, it's a possibility that he could be starting for the team at left tackle on opening day. So he's a player who really needs to give it his all and improve as much as possible over the next couple of weeks. In the sixth round, we have a already fan favorite in safety, Talanoa Hufunga. It's not just because his name is fun to say. So Hufunga impressed as expected. But what I didn't expect was that he would receive so many reps at single high safety. I wouldn't put him there in season because he's not fast which was sort of evident on his attempt to cut off Tyreek Hill. And then he suddenly learned that, wow, these guys over here are pretty quick. At least his uh, welcome to the NFL moment wasn't a horrible one. I think it was just a fairly short gain. Overall, he had a good day. And perhaps even a good enough day to secure himself a spot on the 49ers final 53-man roster. He was a guy who was lined up all over the place pre-snap and flying all over the place post-snap. Roughly half of his snaps were at free safety or at one of the two safety positions, and the rest were divided among all parts of the field. At corner, in the slot, down in the box like a true strong safety. A couple of these, he was actually lined up as a defensive lineman. He was also in on, if not all six, then five of the groups on special teams. He certainly was as advertised, and as we expected after seeing a bunch of his tape in college, he's never going to be a guy with top speed, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a serviceable and maybe more player in the NFL. And I'd be very, very surprised if he does not make the 53-man roster. 
And our final draft pick, still in round six, Elijah Mitchell, running back, who did not play. And late round draft picks don't make teams if they can't get on the field. So if he can't suit up next week, 49ers are likely going to determine his issue to be a multi-week or multi-month injury in the hopes they'll be able to stash him on the practice squad. Simply put, Mitchell needs to get on the field now to compete, and he's in a good position to compete because the guy who's apparently winning is rushing at a 2.9-yard clip. So the time is now, and otherwise, hopefully you'll slip through the cracks and make it back out of the practice squad. All right, who needs a little more Robert Morrison in your life? And that's a rhetorical question. Well, today is your day and my day, our day. Today is our day because prior to the game, Robert and I sat down with Stacking the Box podcast host, Mark Carmen to answer all the hard-hitting questions with some answers he didn't seem to expect. Check out this segment of Stacking the Box podcast as Robert and I choke up on our bats and go opposite field, then sacrifice to second, and then single up the middle. Just like a 400-foot homer. Just a little bit different. And as promised, we move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Chris Wilson, Robert Morrison, if you're not listening to Niners Noise and checking out the website too, NinersNoise.com, then you are not as fully informed and entertained with your San Francisco 49ers as you could be. Gentlemen, appreciate you making time. Uh, when are they trading Jimmy Garoppolo? When is the trading at Lance Zero going to start? Let's not, like, <laughs> let's not waste any time here. Robert, do you want to jump in? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually don't expect that they'll probably trade Garoppolo. I imagine it will, at least not, not this season, it will probably be a end of the year kind of thing. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are getting on the, like, he's going to Indianapolis thing now that Carson Wentz is hurt, but I don't think the, the, the Colts can afford him <laughs> on his current contract. And, uh, I doubt Garoppolo is going to take a pay cut to go somewhere else and have to learn a new system and all that good stuff. So, um, I think he'll probably get, a as much of a leash as he has the ability to use this, this season. Um, but I could certainly see a situation similar to the Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith type of thing, where if the door opens, uh, Trey Lance could bust that thing wide open and take over the, the job. Chris, are you emotional at all? Do you hang on to a Jimmy Garoppolo in your mind? Do you, does he, does he have a special place in your heart going to the Super Bowl and all, even though he overthrew a, up there? Yeah, see, there we go. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. We got a yeah. bobblehead. All right. Uh, or yeah. you like, Hey, the sooner, the better to get Trey on the field. Um, no, I don't necessarily take that stance. Um, I wasn't very happy about the trade up, uh, especially since we didn't really know who we were getting. And then doing that for the third quarterback in the draft historically has not been a good move. <laughs> so well, I've always been a Garoppolo fan just because he was like the immediate face of the franchise because we had nothing, you know, before that. And it's like losing season after losing season. And then suddenly he comes in when five games and then his face is everywhere, you know, and um, it's a handsome, handsome face. And, <laughs> and, you know, he was just, you know, just a general seems like he's a likable guy. You know, it's just like, he's like the, you know, like he's like your neighbor, just in a lot better shape. 
Um, <laughs> actually, I'm glad he's not my neighbor because my wife is sort of a big fan. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I would really like to give him a shot at a full season because the only time he's ever played a full season is the Super Bowl. And Kyle Shanahan can't win football games without him. And that's been established. I'm sure he could with a different quarterback. But is that quarterback ready now? I mean, he picked his guy, but it sounds like he really just picked a guy, like whoever was or whomever was available at the time. So, yeah, I wasn't very happy about that. Um, to answer your first question, they'll trade him as soon as they possibly can because Shanahan hates him, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is why Robert and I have such a time on the pod because he's like the voice of reason, and I just get like angry at somebody's, moves somebody's gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you, so, you, in essence, do you guys not make any huge uh drawing any huge conclusions from the early camp noise that that Trey looks great does that mean anything to you not no i don't think i mean even like i mean i know chris doesn't doesn't think so but i i i mean this is it's training camp noise i think it's sort of the job of of the beat writers and everybody to be like, Oh, look at, look how good everybody's doing. And, and that's, and that's all the, that's part of the, of the, the job, the whimsy of the job of the beat writer, I suppose. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he's looking great. Cause that means if uh, you know, Shanahan wants to use him for something, which I, I do anticipate that he will get some playing time this year in some sort of, you know, package um, where they'll get him out there on the field to utilize his athleticism and his speed and his arm. Um, but, you know, I think they have, I think the team knows that this kid just turned, what, 21 years old, and he will hopefully be the quarterback for 10 or 15 years, not just the next, not just 2021. It's not about this season. It's about this season plus the next decade plus. So that's the, the key. Well, let's handicap this season and specifically the division. Um, you know, it's obviously Stanford. And the Rams is super interesting. Ross and the Seahawks is that had a whole life of its own last year. I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's going to uh, die down or, or, or go back up to 10. And then the, you know, the Cardinals were everybody's darling last year, but it didn't happen. They hung around for a while. And of course uh, lost out the playoff spot to the bears, which is kind of amazing and hard to do, but they, but they did it. W- where do you think the Niners fall on here, Chris? Well, above, Arizona because of Kingsbury. I mean, they can be as good as they want to be, but it's not going to win any games. Uh, I'm not really too worried about them. Uh, and also, most of the problem that we've had with Kyler Murray is just a failure to address running quarterbacks, which is one of Salah's big deficiencies. And, I, and one reason why I think he'll make a better head coach than he was a, a DC. Was, his stats are good, but his players were also pretty good too. So, and, and I mean, he's, he's, he's fine. He's, he grew on me, but it was definitely, was definitely a steep learning curve there. Uh, after that, I, I mean, for me, I'm maybe the only person in the world who's not scared of Stafford. Whereas it's like, yeah, I mean, Vegas has them, you know, easily winning the division and, and um, you know, has some much better uh, Super Bowl odds than, than the Niners, which I can, I can understand that considering the year we had last year, but a lot of our problems last year were quarterback based and hopefully now we'll have two instead of 
like a half of one, <laughs> you know, and then along with that, just, just general, you know, in, the injuries we had the last uh, three years just been crazy. I mean, ever, actually, actually really ever since Shanahan and Lynch came to town, it's just been horrible out there. <laughs> yeah. A bad, Robert, uh, horrid movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Robert, are they, who's, who's your pick to win the division? Um, well, do I, should I, do I need to go full Homer? Um, I mean, I think the Niners have as good a chance as, as anybody to, to win this division, barring that the, like Chris was alluding to, if the injury situation is as bad as it's, as it was last year. Um, and, and really people forget actually that they were pretty injured during the Super Bowl run too. It just wasn't any long-term injuries in like some of the worst places that you can have them quarterback pass rusher, that sort of thing. But like we, we were missing both of our tackles for extended periods during the, the Super Bowl run too. So sometimes it's about getting injured at the right time to the right players for the shortest period of time possible. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's a Niners Rams sort of uh, slug fest. Um, I think the NFL thinks it's a Niners Rams slug fest too. If you look at the way the schedule works out, they play each other in the final week of the season, just like the Seahawks and the Niners did in the, the, the last game of the 2019 season. Um, so I think it's, it could come down to who wins that game. Um, I'm, I'm a little more concerned about uh, McVay having a, a serviceable quarterback, not named Jared Goff, but um, I, I think that the, the Niners have shown that they can actually, that they can, they, that they have McVay's number uh, to a certain extent over the last couple of years as well. So I think it comes down to those two teams for me. There was definitely a point there where Mark thinks to himself, why did I just kick a Hall of Famer off the air just to go to these two guys who are going to speak so reasonably about their team and their expectations for the team in 2021? So Mark, if you're listening, well, then you probably already know. But if you just came in to listen right here, just FYI, we're not normally reasonable at all. So next time we'll, we'll bring the heat. Bring the fireworks. Promise. And with that, 49er faithful, I am out. So let's wish the team a good game this weekend and more importantly, a healthy one. And hopefully we'll see some serious progress from our future franchise quarterback, Trey Lance. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Nine Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Side of Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And please, no, make that pretty please. Toss us a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen. If you haven't subscribed, see that subscribe button? Smash it. Annihilate it. And feel free to share the pod with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.